podcast, people. Welcome to The Edge. I'm your host, Scott Logan, and we are currently in Ephesians chapter 5. Now, last week we read verses 3 to 5 and spent some time talking about sexual impurity and not just the command to stay away from sexually impure actions, but also sexually impure talk. You know, things like turning non-sexual stuff into sexual innuendos and the effort to make a joke or just the blatant carnal garbage that comes out of people's mouths of a sexual nature. The stuff that can sometimes be difficult to avoid in our culture. A culture which doesn't just provide inappropriate sexual innuendo everywhere you look, but no matter what age you are, it places pressure on you to partake of the carnality with it. And you know the unfortunate thing? It's not just the world that tries to influence us in this way. It can also be those within the church who may say, don't worry, you can do this and be a Christian. Hey, it's okay that you live this way because you're doing the religious thing. As a culture, even in church, we tend to sometimes not take these things as seriously as we're supposed to. Well, this week, as we pick things up in verse 6, we're going to see how Paul directs us to run the other way from those carnal actions and words. Paul draws a line and says that we as Christians are not to entertain things that we've discussed so far, such as filthiness, crude discussions, fornication, and the like. We don't play by the same set of rules that the world does since we've been transformed. The evidence of that transformation is a life that reflects the change that the Holy Spirit has made in our lifestyle. And remember that the Christian will struggle, and from time to time, the Christian does fall. Of course, there's forgiveness from the Lord. 1 John chapter 1 says that he keeps cleansing us. The point, though, is that carnality for the Christian shouldn't be the flow of their life. A life of sexual promiscuity and gutter talk and covetousness doesn't make good evidence in the jury room to make a case that someone is being guided by the Holy Spirit. So, let's read verses 6 through 14 and then dig in some more. All right, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 6 through 14. Let no one deceive you with empty arguments, for because of these things God's wrath is coming on the disobedient. Therefore, do not become their partners. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light results in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, discerning what is pleasing to the Lord. Don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what is done by them in secret. Everything exposed by the light is made clear, For what makes everything clear is light. Therefore it is said, get up, sleeper, and rise up from the dead, and the Messiah will shine on you. All right, let's go back to verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty arguments, for because of these things God's wrath is coming on the disobedient. Paul is making the case that people cannot be saved and still habitually commit grievous sins. 
He says, let no one deceive you with empty arguments. He's saying, don't let anybody tell you you can live like this and God will forgive you. Don't let anybody say you're going to be fine. You're going to get in the kingdom. It'll be okay. You made a decision for Jesus. You're doing your religious thing. It's all right to live like this. Don't let anybody lie to you with empty words like this. They're empty, they're meaningless, they're useless. Those people who are teaching things that undermine God's absolutes when it comes to your personal morality are speaking hollow, empty words. If people are practicing immorality, they are not Christians because the Holy Spirit just said through Paul that they are children of disobedience. And what's coming to them, it's God's wrath. These are not the people that you want to mirror with your actions. These are not the people that you should ever say, well, they get to do it. I want to do it too. Paul says in verse 7, therefore do not become their partners. So don't join the world and its evils. A child of God shouldn't compromise when tempted to partake in immoral actions. The evidence of a regenerated heart is to not backtrack into the ways of an unregenerated heart. To break up with our past life is the proof that we possess Jesus. Verse 8, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. You know, one of the biggest falsehoods we can subscribe to is trying to say that sin has a gray area. The problem with that mentality is that it will always motivate us to find ways to justify a sinful lifestyle. When we say that there are gray areas, it allows us to put sin on a ranking scale of heinous not so bad when the truth is that sin is sin the bible speaks in black and white good and evil darkness and light there are no gray areas with sin the reason that we can't be partners in the world's immorality is because light has no fellowship with darkness light refuses to coexist with darkness they're opposites you see, when we're talking about the word light in the Bible, light is used as a symbol. There are two aspects of light. We're talking intake and output. We intake light and then we output light. I said there are two aspects of light. The first is the intellectual side of light and the second is the moral side of light. Now, intellectually speaking, light refers to truth. Look at Proverbs chapter 6, verse 23. It says, For a commandment is a lamp, teaching is a light, and corrective, corrective instructions are the way to life. It's speaking of light as intellectual enlightenment. In Psalm 119, verse 105, it says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Same exact thing. It speaks of light as a guiding truth. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, But if, in fact, our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Regarding them, the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. 
So one aspect of light is the truth. Truth is the intellectual side of light. And then we have the moral side of light, which is holiness. We're now speaking of light as holy behavior. Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. So now we are talking about light as holiness. Romans 13, 12 says, Let us discard the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. So we have two aspects of light, truth and holiness, intake and output. You intake the truth of God, and because of that enlightenment, you output his holiness. Now, the opposite of light is what? It's darkness. And there are two opposite aspects of darkness. The intellectual side of darkness is ignorance. Instead of truth, it's ignorance. And the moral side of darkness is not holiness, it's evil. So light is knowledge and darkness is being blinded to it. These two are opposites and there is no gray area. So we as Christians are to walk in light, which means we receive truth and we live a holy life set apart from the world's carnalities. Now, verses 9 and 10 say, For the fruit of the light results in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, discerning what is pleasing to the Lord. Wherever light radiates, it brings a change of character and a change of conduct. We just said before that the Christian's life is a constant life of outflow. Light as truth pours into us, and then out of us flows light as holy behavior. If we are children of light, then our character and behavior are going to exhibit the characteristics of God, because as 1 John says, God is light and there is no darkness in him. Now, verse 10 said, discerning what is pleasing to the Lord. I remember, oh, it was 1997, maybe, the WWJD bracelet craze. Remember that one? Some of you who are old enough might remember that if you were a Christian in the mid to late 90s, you couldn't go long without seeing another brother or sister in the Lord sporting one of these. And you might have had one, too. I was a teenager and had one, and I remember at that time, I was just getting started in radio, and we used to give a ton of those bracelets away at the Christian radio station I volunteered at. WWJD stood for What Would Jesus Do?, and it was intended to be a reminder bracelet to be mindful of your actions and to do the things that Jesus would do. Some people found fault with it and had different reasons to tear it down, even within Christian circles. I never had a problem with it. I thought it was great. Um, I would just add the reminder of what would Jesus not do. And I think that's really a question that we need to keep in mind as we go through our day-to-day tasks and interactions with others and the things that we do in secret. We need to filter everything with, is this acceptable to God? That's how our conduct should be judged. It's not hard to figure out how to live like Jesus. Just hang out with him in prayer and read about him in the word. The problems that we create are when we complicate our lives by imposing those gray areas that we were talking about earlier 
into a Christian's life where they don't belong. So, we intake truth, we output holiness, which is goodness, righteousness, and truth, and then we discern all our actions by questioning whether what we are doing is pleasing to God. All right. Now, I'm going to read verses 11 to 14 uh, all together because it is all one cohesive thought. So verses 11 to 14. Don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what is done by them in secret. Everything exposed by the light is made clear, for what makes everything clear is light. Stop there for a minute. This is a huge call and can only happen with a life devoted to holiness. How do you expose fruitless works of darkness? It can't be done by participating in them. Go into a dark room with no light. No one item in that dark room can illuminate the other. They're all just in darkness. Then you turn on a flashlight and boom, now you have illumination and that light is able to expose what was in darkness. What made things clear to see was the light that started shining and it was the only thing that could get the job done. Guys, I've had friends and associates throughout the years who have lived with the notion that the best way to reach people in the dark was to also participate in the activities of the dark. The problem with that is simple science. Unless you turn a light on, nothing is going to be illuminated. Dark can't illuminate dark. That's just fact. So you need to be the opposite of dark to actually be able to shine a light on sin and expose it. And that's our call. That's a commandment. We get so caught up in our culture with just wanting the Christian church to be palatable to the world, and we get so caught up in the ideal of being tolerant of everything that we become afraid to be a light in the darkness and expose sin. But here's the most basic of truths. People don't get saved without coming to God and repenting of their sin. And the kicker is that no one knows what sin is unless it's exposed. It isn't evangelism to just tolerate everything. It's evangelism when we cause people to face the fact of sin. It certainly doesn't mean that we're not loving, but it wouldn't be love if we never talked about the evil. We are the lights of the world. If you are truly a child of God, then a definition of you is that you are a light. You are going to do what light does and illuminate. If you don't exhibit the qualities of light, then there is no gray area. You're dark and in need of someone illuminating you. So we can understand that to be a functioning child of God, we need to walk in light, and we can't do that if we keep acting like the dark. Let's not live lives that exhibit fornication and filthiness and uncleanness, crude joking or bitterness, but let's strive to imitate God as we are called to and be light because he is light and we will exhibit goodness, righteousness, and truth. If you're listening to this podcast and you're saying, I've never experienced the light, then I would leave you with the last part of verse 14. 
Therefore it is said, get up, sleeper, and rise up from the dead, and the Messiah will shine on you. Guys, that's going to do it for this week's show. If you want any more information about The Edge, or maybe you want to even support the ministry, please check out the website, which is theedgepodcast.com. There is a link to PayPal where you can support the ministry. Also, all of my social links are on the top right corner of the homepage. Make sure to give a like on our Facebook page, as well as follow me on Twitter at edgepodcast1. Well, that's it for this week. Next week, we're going to talk about living a consistent Christian life. So make sure to check that out. And in two weeks, we are on one of my favorite things in the world, marriage. But until then, I'm Scott Logan, wishing you an awesome week living for God. Don't forget, when you live, live on the edge.